hearts, Lord, into your presence. And Lord, we thank you for meeting us here today. Lord, we ask that you would do a work in our lives this very day. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that this is the inerrant, infallible word of God. And Lord, we thank you that you've given it to us. Uh, Lord, not only to reveal to us information about you, but God, so that we can know you. And Lord, we pray this morning for that anointing to be upon the word. I ask, Lord, for that anointing to preach and to teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking this day. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, well, glory to God. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we're about to get into the word this morning, but I want to tell you, I believe that this, the word that God's got for you today is, is it has the ability to truly change the course of your life. Those of you that are not where you want to be, how many of you are not where you want to be? Amen. You know, but God wants you to be where he wants you to be. Amen. And one of the things that I learned in my walk with the Lord is sometimes I got to get out of my own way. I've got to get out of my own way and let God have his way. You know, I, it's like John the Baptist said, I've got to decrease so that he can increase. You know, that's very profound. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible, not the shortest, but it's one of the shortest. But it is actually the most challenging. I got to decrease so that God increases in my life. More of him and less of me. And one of the things that I've found in my walk with the Lord is a lot of times I've gotten in my own way. I've tripped my own self up. I've clogged up, you know, that, that vein that the Lord works through. There's been a, a sister, Pat, used to uh, preach, man. She, she would say, there's a flaw in the flow. And you got to get that flaw out of there so that the power of God can flow again. You know, and, and, and it's, it's the truth. And a lot of times, if I'm honest, and maybe you're like this too, but the biggest flaw in the flow of God of my life a lot of times has been myself. It's been me inserting myself in my opinions and the way I think things should be or me getting offended and me having my own dreams and my own ambitions and my own desires and not coming to that place of decrease where it's not about me, Lord. It's about you living in me. You know, I don't know about you, but, but I thank God that he saved me. Amen? I thank God that he saved me. But there's people in the world today that aren't saved. And if I can decrease and the Lord increase, guess what he's going to do through us? He's going to reach others. That's the greatest thing that we could have ever. A lot of people are so self-centered, they can't see that. Well, what about me? Well, you, you got to get saved. And we'll talk about the word saved because there's a lot in that. Saved is a lot. Uh, uh, there's freedom. There's deliverance. There's, there's, you know, chains broken. Saved is not just your name written in the Lamb's book of life, but it is actually saved from the power and dominion of sin in your life. So when God saves someone, he breaks chains. Nobody had to teach me how to put down the bottle. Nobody had to teach me how to stop cussing. Nobody had to teach me how to stop lusting. Nobody had to teach me those things. You know why? Because the teacher came. When I got saved, the Holy Spirit came and he taught me himself. He came and that anointing, amen, did something that no man could do. And I want to tell you this morning that a lot of times people in, in the church are not where God wants them to be. And a lot of times... The, the, the flaw in the flow, Sister Pat, the flaw in the flow is meitis, is meitis. So let's get into the word this morning, and I want to share with you this passage in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, I'm not going to be able to teach and preach everything that God's given me. I don't know if I'm going to continue it tonight or next week, but just keep coming, So, because there's a lot in here that you need to get. Um, but 2 Kings chapter 6 in verse number 24, let's, let's pick it up right here, verse number 24. It says, it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Now, how many of y'all remember the Samaritan woman? Samaria is a town in Israel. Um, it, it went wayward. 
It was the capital of rebellion at one point, but it is a city in Israel. And this king of Syria has besieged it. Now, that means he's surrounded it. How many of you have ever been surrounded by the enemy before? How many of you have ever been in a place where you feel smothered by the devil, <laughs> right? I mean, we, it's like you don't know how to get out of the situation you're in. That's what it means to be besieged. There's no way out. On top of this city of Samaria being sieged, they're, they're surrounded by the enemy. On top of that, there's problems within the walls. How many of you know that sometimes in life, it's one thing for the world to come against you, right? How many of you have been, say, I've been there, done that, right? You feel like the world's coming against you. But as long as within the, the city walls, there's peace and power and presence of God, everything's fine. But when there's division and turmoil, when there's, you know, when things break down on the inside and the enemy's there on the outside, you stuck like Chuck. Amen. I mean, when the enemy's on the outside, but on the inside, things are beginning to break down, you've got a problem on your hands. And I, I believe that right now there's a lot of people that are this way. They, they are surrounded on the outside, and there's also problems in paradise on the inside. Now listen to this verse. He says that they were, they were besieged. They besieged Samaria. Ben, uh, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts. He went up and besieged Samaria, the next verse. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of a dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Now, in case you're not familiar, that the ass was an unclean animal. And uh, what, what, what the theologian would tell you is when you're starving, all bets are off. When you're starving, you're starving. They were surrounded on the outside, and yet on the inside, the, the city was crumbling because there was a great famine on the inside. They were, they were eating and selling and buying unclean animals and unclean food because they had run out of everything else. This reminds me of the children of God sometimes. When we don't have what God wants us to have. When we're not feasting on what the Holy Ghost has. We will run to the trough. We will run to the pig pen. We will run and, and, and lap up the world's system and the world's ways. And we will begin to be influenced by the world instead of setting our hearts upon God. This passage here, I want you to notice that there's the besieging on the outside and then there's a famine on the inside. Uh, this famine creates a couple of things. I want you to listen to what a famine creates. A famine will create weakness. How many of you have ever been hungry? You weak. You weak. A famine creates vulnerability. You're, you're vulnerable to temptation when you're hungry. I don't know if you've ever shopped for groceries when you're hungry, but you probably bought more than you needed because you're vulnerable. And you see, these people were vulnerable. They, they would go against the law of God because they were starving on the inside. Listen to the Spirit of God. They would break the law of God because they were starving on the inside. Not only does a famine create weakness and vulnerability, but it also creates anxiety. Anxiety. You know, an anxious person is someone who's not willing to wait on God. Somebody with anxiety is ready to take the matter in their own hands. Amen? Say, you know what? God's not moving, so I'm just going to go start pushing buttons. We'll see what happens. Instead of waiting on God. Instead of waiting on God. One of the things that happens, and we'll see this later on, is that failed schemes begin to take place. People begin to use the plans and effort of self to try to remedy the situation. 
What, what was going on in Samaria needed God's intervention. They had a, a famine on the inside, and they were surrounded by the enemy on the outside. If ever there needs to be a move of God, it's right now. And if you don't see the, the, in your life, if you're not at a place where you say, you know what, Lord, if ever I needed you in my life, I need you right now, then you're blind. Because if you're ever in a place in your life where you think, I, I kind of got it right now. Man, the enemy has done deceived you. He's done pulled the wool over your eyes. We've got to get to that place of humility where we say, Lord, if I ever needed you in my life, I need you right now. I need you right now. How many of you know that God's a today God? Amen. He's a God of the living, isn't he? Amen. So listen to what he says here. He says that there was that, that besieging on the outside and a famine on the inside. Listen to this. The enemy not only wants to surround you and keep you from help, but he also wants to produce a famine in your soul. How many of you know that the devil wants you to be not as strong as you should be? Amen? You know, the devil would love nothing more than for a church to talk the talk but not walk the walk. Paul said one time when he came to the church of Corinth, he said, when I come, I'm not coming with words. I'm coming with demonstration of power. I'm not coming just to give you some rules. I'm not coming to tell you you need a haircut, you need this, and you need that. I'm not coming with words. I'm coming in demonstration of power. I'm coming to show you what it means to walk in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. There's a lot of people that talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Pride controls them. Amen. The world controls them. The devil, once he gets in those thoughts, he begins to manipulate you. There's a lot of people that are in famine today in their soul. Listen to this. A, a famined soul. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? A famined soul is a soul that has not experienced the power and the presence of God. A, a famined soul is someone that is not drinking of the fountain of living waters. A famined soul will look for what they're missing in the wrong places. An ass's head or the dung of a dove. That's re your relationships. Food. Popularity in the world, pornography, drugs, alcohol, the, these things, even shopping. I know people that when they're broken on the inside, all they want to do is scroll through Amazon and buy something. It gives them a quick fix. Or they'll go shopping downtown. Because there's something not right on the inside. They're famished. And the, the enemy would love nothing more than for a church of the living God to be famished. Would love nothing more than for the church of the living God to be famished. But I want you to know God has an answer for the drought in our soul. Listen to me. God has an answer for the drought in your soul. Those fountains of living water is what every single believer has been promised by Jesus. He said, if you believe upon me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. No matter what the circumstance or situation of life is, if I believe on Jesus, he said, out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. Even when I don't feel like it, even when the world's coming against me, even when things on the inside are breaking down God's going to come through he said that there is uh, an answer for every drought in your soul now hold with me and turn with me to Amos chapter 8 to keep your finger there or your your ribbon in your Bible if you got one but turn with me to Amos chapter 8 well, I know we're going Old Testament it's okay we got to know where these books are amen Amos keep going closer to the end of the Old Testament. Go past Ezekiel. Go past Daniel. And you'll run right into Amos. And turn with me to Amos chapter 8, the last chapter of the book of, or second to last chapter of the book of Amos. 
I want to show you something in verse number 11 in, in the book of Amos. Amos is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's a minor prophet. Uh, he didn't come from a family of prophets. He didn't come from a lineage of prophets. He was just a farmer that the Spirit of God moved on. Uh, I, I love this man of God. You know, it's, it gives us, uh, gives us courage. Those of us that maybe you don't come from a, a, a line of pastors and preachers and evangelists. But you know, God can use you if you'll just have a humble heart and let the Lord come upon you. God can do something great in your life. Amos chapter 8. I want to show you something right here. Because I've been talking about a famine and a famine in the soul. And one of the things that we need in our life is a move of God. But there is a famine that, that can happen, and I believe it's happening in our generation right now. It's a famine from God. It's a famine from the Word of God. It's a famine from knowing God. How many of you know that there's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff? We were making fun of some of these road signs the other day. They got uh, one of the, the attorneys out there. They have billboards that look like the Barbie movie. You know, it, and, and all they're waiting on is the next big thing so that they can capitalize on it. Well, the sad, now, that's sad, right? Because it, it looks pathetic for a lawyer to have to stoop to that kind of level. Be like, why you got to use that, you know, that ignorant movie Barbie of all things to try to get more people to call you to represent them, right? But even more pathetic is when the church has to use that same movie to get people in its doors. And if you think that's far-fetched, there's a, uh, there is a church in our city doing that this Sunday morning. So the reality is, is when there's a famine from the Word of God, people will stoop to the dung of doves and to eating the unclean ass's head instead of coming to the fountain of living water. And the sad reality is, is that, and i, I got to show you this in a second, because a lot of times people in a drought will continue to live in a drought. How many of you have been in a place in life that you look back on it and you, and you say, why did I let things get that bad for that long? Raise your hand if you've been there. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Sometimes we come through something and, and we get out of it and we look back and we say, Lord, how did I let myself go that low that long? And all I had to do was call on Jesus. All I had to do was get down on my knees and cry, Holy God, save me. All I had to do was come boldly to that throne of grace and obtain the mercy that my soul needed. All I needed to do was give my life back to Jesus. But sometimes we're hard-headed. We get a little famine from the Spirit of God, and we just keep pressing through every warning sign God gives till we just about are starved to death and full of the, of the dung of doves. And I tell you, there's a lot of people, you may not be eating the dung of doves, but if you're not feasting on God and full of the Spirit of God, there's something from the world that's feeding your soul and it ain't God. And I believe God wants you to get this right because God has something for you. God has a plan in your life. God has a purpose for your life. But you'll never see the plan and the purpose. You'll never see the fullness that God has for you until you come to a place where you're no longer feasting from the world's banquet table. He says in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. There, there is a time when, when the nation has rejected God over and over and over. Or a people has rejected God over and over and over. That God will say, okay, you want to feast at the world's banquet table? There is a drought from my word in the land. And the, and, and the, the, the church folks and the world folks don't look 
anything different. Don't act anything different. Don't talk anything different. Don't live any different. The only difference is some of them go to church every now and then. But when we both eat from the same banqueting table, there's no difference. Now, here's what I want you to see. The, the enemy had, had shut off Samaria from access and from supply. How many of you know that the enemy has probably kept you back from the word of God? There is something I want to get into. There's something I want to get into, and I'm not going to have, a, I'm not going to have time to, to get all of what God wants to get in today. Uh, so, like I said, I encourage you to come back, but listen to this. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we're going to move down to... Well, we'll start with verse 1, Mark 6, verse 1. Now, as we come into this passage, this is where Jesus is coming back into, uh, into his home area. How many of you know that Jesus could do anything? How many of you think that Jesus can do anything in your life? But what if there's a lack of faith? What if there's a lack of faith? Can I, can I submit something to you today? If there's a lack of faith on your part, it's because the enemy has besieged you and there's a famine in your soul. He's cut you off. How many of you know that, that, that God has the ability to provide for his people? Do you remember the nation of Israel? They ate every day in the desert. They ate every day in the desert. They had new shoes every year that grew right on their feet. They had quail. They had bread. They had water out of a rock. They, they had all that they needed in a desert of all places. Here they are in a city starving to death. You don't think God can still send the quails? You don't think God can still send the manna from heaven? You don't think that God can bust up a rock in the middle of the city and send water? Is God's arm short? No, His arm's not short. His people have sinned. And see, if, if we look at this situation, when there's a lack of faith, what we're doing, when there's a lack of obedience, what we're doing, when there's a lack of relationship, what we're doing is we're allowing the enemy to surround us and we're also starving out on the inside. In Mark 6, verse 1, it says, He went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples follow him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? You know, the, the, the enemy can't figure out the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost does things that surprise the enemy. You know, I believe that the enemy was surprised when Gideon was anointed by God to take out the Midianite army. Gideon was the smallest man from the smallest tribe. And yet God came upon that man with such an anointing that he took 300 soldiers and he wiped out the entire Midianite army. The enemy didn't see that coming. Goliath didn't see David coming. Amen. And, and, and God delights in confounding the wise. God delights in confounding the world. And I want you to know, stop looking at your life and your situation through the eyes of the world. Because with our God, all things are possible. With our God, all things are possible. Let's continue in this. this, this You've got to get this part, okay? It says, is, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and 
and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. That's key right there. They were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work. Listen to that. He could do there no mighty work. Jesus. How many of you know Jesus can do anything? Can he walk on water? Can he walk through a wall? Can he raise the dead? He can do anything, but in a town, he could do nothing mighty. How many of you, I've been there. I'm like, Lord, I want you to do something mighty in me. I've been there. But I had to surrender myself to God. I had to believe I had to take a step of faith and believe God for the impossible. It says, he could there do no mighty work, save that he had laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about in the villages teaching. Now, he marveled because of their unbelief. The unbelief, that word means lack of faith. He marveled because of the lack of faith in this whole town. He marveled. There's a lack of faith. And it prevented him from doing mighty works. Now, you go to a church, and a church, they lay hands on somebody, and, and a fever breaks, and they get healed. Or maybe they got COVID, and it gets delivered. Or they got, they, they've got a, a weak arm, and God uh, saves them, and, they, and he heals that arm. We say, oh, man, God moved so powerfully. Three people got healed. But I want you to see, God looks at that as not mighty. That's not the mighty thing. What's the mighty thing? When, the, when, when those that are bound by the devil get set free. When the addict has that addiction broken. When, 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 uh, when, the, when demons are cast out. When, when, when God moves upon somebody and takes them out of darkness and brings them into light. When God truly does a work in the soul of a man. That's what God calls a mighty work. How many of you know God wants to do a mighty work today? How many of you know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. He hasn't changed. Now, where he is physically has changed. He physically is at the throne in heaven today. But in the spirit, he's here today working. And he's not changed at all. Amen. So what I want you to see right here is there's some people that when they see the work of God, one of the things that will prevent them how many of you know that this city, this whole city, this whole village was prevented from a move of God? How many of you want to be like them? How many of you want to be like them? Jesus comes into your synagogue. Jesus himself teaches. Jesus himself gives an altar call, but nothing's broken. No strongholds are broken. Nobody gets saved. Nobody gets set free. Jesus himself was there preaching and teaching. What was missing was faith. What was missing was faith. You know, when you look at this scripture, one of the things that you have to see is that there's people today with the same mentality. Back then, when Jesus came to this town, they said, Oh, who is this guy? That's not for here. What do they say today? Holy Ghost, that's not for today. That's not for today. They're the same people as this town right here. They're the same people. It's a lack of faith. It's because people don't want to surrender and let go and let God. It's because people want to remain in control. They don't want to do what John the Baptist did when he said, I've got to decrease so that God can increase. You see, these people want to stay in control of the town and the synagogue. They want to stay in control of what happens in the religious realm. They want to maintain their grip on, on everything that happens. And if we're honest, if we're honest, 
The reason why we don't have access to the power of God in our life is not because God's arm is short. It's because our hand is still on the control of our life. See, we're famished. We're famished. We're in famine. We're not walking in victory. We're limping in defeat. Until we surrender to God, we will always limp in defeat. But until God's people come to this place and they say, you know what, Lord? You said it. That settles it. I believe it. Now, Lord, do it. Until we come to a place where we approach the word of God in this way, until we overcome the lack of faith, we'll never see a move of God. God can do anything. Are you lonely? God can be your present help. Are you addicted? God can break off that addiction. Are you in turmoil right now? God can bring peace to your storm. He's still Jehovah Shalom. He's still the one that calms the raging sea. He's still the one that that brings peace where there's been disorder and anxiety. He is still the one that says to the storm, peace, be still, and the storm subsides. He's still the same God today as he always has been, and he always will be. But you've got to make the choice and the decision that you want to take part in this. The invitation is for you. He came for you. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. He said he came to seek and save the lost. Those that are trying to do it in their own self. Those that are just trying in their own strength. Those that are just trying their their dead level best. I'm doing my best. Well, you know what? The Bible says that my righteousness is like filthy rags. The best I can do is nothing compared to what God can do. But what God's looking for in us is a place of surrender and belief. And when we surrender and believe, I'm telling you today that all things are possible. Amen. You look at the world today and you say, man, we are in a bad place. Well, until we turn to God, we are. This, this town, and we're we going to get back over there, uh, Lord willing, sometime this year. But, but we're going to go back over there to Second Kings chapter 6. But those people in Samaria, they were in a bad spot. You can't get much more of a bad spot than being besieged and having a famine. Surrounded on the outside and starving on the inside. you between a rock and a hard place. And some of us today, if, if we're not going to lie in church, we would say, you know what? Lord, I am between a rock and a hard place. I'm not where I need to be. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to put this front on. I'm trying to appear like I've got it together. But what I really need is the power of God in my life. What I really need is something greater than myself. What I really need is the power of God, not in theory, but in actuality. I need the reality of the power of God. I don't need a book lesson on it. I don't need a theoretical lesson on it. I don't need a homiletical lesson on it. I don't need you to teach it expositionally or expositorily. I need a demonstration of the real power and presence of God in my life. You preach it and the people of God believe it and God will come down upon those people And God will remove every stronghold that the enemy has set up in somebody's life. Depression got to go when Jesus comes. Darkness got to go when the light of the world comes. Amen. How are you going to stay offended at someone when the one that lives inside you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How are you... And me going to get offended at someone else 
when we really with our words say Jesus lives in me. But the one that lives in me forgave those that killed him. Spit on him. Stripped him. Pulled his beard out with their hands. Put a crown of thorns on his head and mocked him. The one inside me forgave them. They crucified our Lord. They abused our Lord. They killed our Lord. But he rose from the dead. But before he gave up the ghost, he made sure that he forgave them. And yet you and I are going to get offended because somebody didn't give us that $20 back. Or somebody borrowed our lawnmower and didn't give it back. Or somebody didn't say thank you. Or they're not doing what we think they should be doing. Hello? Check, check. We have the audacity to get an offense over somebody when our Lord let the offense go. These are ways that the enemy begins to get you besieged. When, when you're not walking in the fullness of God, when you're not obedient to the word of God, listen to me, the enemy surrounds you and keeps you away from the word of God. How many of you remember the passage in Amos? God said there's going to be a famine for the word of God. If the enemy can cut you off from the word of God, he will. One of the ways that he does it is there's a lot of churches today that just don't preach the book. There's a lot of churches that this ain't enough. Amen. If, if this ain't enough, then you got to put Barbie in your church. But I believe in the power of God. You know why I believe in the power of God? Because it's the power of God that set me free. It's the power of God that saved my life. It's the power of God that changed me and made me a new person. He's the same God, but I'm a different me. Hallelujah. And it was the power of God that did it. No, it wasn't the power of me. It wasn't the power of self. It wasn't the power of new thought. It's the power of God. And there's people today that need the power of God in their life so that you stop living the old way, old self. Now, one of the things that happens here, I want you to see this, is this healing Jesus did he did heal a few people but all that was was momentary relief how many of you know that every person that's ever been healed of a headache at some point's got to give up the ghost and die it's appointed unto every person wants to die and then the judgment so the victory that was happened here was just momentary but when God saves somebody that's eternal amen So what God's looking to do in our life is not a momentary victory, but a total victory. God's not looking to fix you for a moment. God's looking to fix you for life. It's not a cheap victory that God brings into your life. It's not a, a, a cheap power that God brings into your life, but it is a power of God that can change you from now until the day that God calls you home. This is the power of God that can be prevented when people do not believe. Um, turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. The unbelief of the people in Jesus' town prevented them from deliverance, victory. It prevented them from having their bondages broken. It prevented them from having their addictions broken. Their unbelief prevented them from having the affliction 
removed. There's a lot of people afflicted today. Some people are afflicted through depression. Some people are afflicted through feelings of inadequacy. Some people think that their life means nothing. Some people think that they're just here. I want to tell you, if you just think you're just here, the devil's besieged you, and there's a famine in the land. You're not just here. God loved you so much that he stepped off the throne and he came here to save you, not only to save you so that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, but also to save you from the power and dominion of sin and darkness. God came here to set you free. God came here to give you life. God came here to save you and live inside of you. You're not just here. There's a plan and a purpose for you. But you have to believe. How many of you know that you can't twist somebody's ear and make them believe? If I could, I would. Because there's a few honorary folks that I just, you know, I want to twist their ear and make them believe. There's people that have walked away from God that breaks my heart to this day. And I wish I could twist their ear and make them believe. But it's a work of God. It's not a work of man, it's a work of God. Nobody twisted my ear. This is what the Catholic Church didn't know about or missed in the Inquisition. You can't put a knife to somebody's throat and make them believe. You can't convert somebody by sword. It's the heart. It's the soul. It's just like the conscience. You know, they can take somebody and they can cut them up and you can find the lungs the, you can find the heart, you can find the, the, the hands, you can find the brain, you can find everything, but you can't find the conscience. You're not going to be able to put the conscience under a microscope. That's where God speaks to people. That's where people turn away from God. That's where people resist God. That's where people... Continue to do something when the Holy Ghost is telling them not to do it. To the point where they sear that conscience. But the key that God wants you to see today is that this whole town missed a move of God because of their unbelief. That means a lack of faith. And I want you to know that if you have a lack of faith in any area of your life, you're in a famine. And here today, you might not have the humility to say, I'm in unbelief right now, Pastor. You may not have the humility to do that. Or you may be like, well, you know, I, I believe in theory. I believe in theory. You know, I used to go to church when I was younger, and I believed in theory. It had no effect on my soul, though. It wasn't until I thrust myself upon God, until I believed, just like how Jesus told Peter, step out of the boat and onto the water. That's the same way. Lord, I'm giving you my life. And you take that step and you give everything to God. You say so long to self and you go down until God changes you. That's what is missing in so many people's lives today. It says here in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. How many of you have been go, go through the motions before? How many of you have gone through the motions with God? I've got the victory. In the name of Jesus. Going through the motions. Sometimes you may not feel like you got victory. Sometimes you may be walking through a battle. But I want to tell you, there's a difference between walking through the battle in theory 
and walking through the battle in faith. And what God is looking for today is the people of God to say, you know what, Lord, I don't want theories about you. I don't need information about you. I need you. I need the revelation of who you are. I need the power of your spirit. I need the demonstration and the actual real power and presence of God in my life. Faith can move mountains. Lack of faith keeps people in bondage. And if you're in bondage today, I want you to know God's arm is not short. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Until you come to a place where you let theories and how people look at you and how you feel and the circumstances of life. You've got to let that go. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And you have to believe this, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to use faith to do these two things. You've got to believe that God's real. He is. He is who he says he is. He's light when I'm in darkness. He's healer. He's deliverer. He's strong tower. He's mighty to save. I've been in a bind before. But there's no bind I've been in that God couldn't get me out of. But what God was looking for was for me to stop and humble myself and believe and come to that cross. You see, the Bible says you've got to believe that he is. How many of you believe that God is? I'm not talking about some Eastern mystical God. I'm not talking about... A, a, a God consciousness. I'm talking about the creator of heaven and earth. The creator of time, space, and matter. The creator of every living soul. The sustainer of life. The judge of every man. The Holy One of Israel. You believe He is who He says He is. Do you truly believe that He can save you? Do you truly believe that the power of God is what you need in your life? You've got to believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently come to Him, that diligently seek Him. See, one of my favorite verses, you know, in the Bible, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Oh, the Lord, he knows what I need. But all he's asking for is me to come to him. To stop with this dung of doves. To stop with this head of an ass. To stop slopping at the world's trough. And from the world system and from self-reliance and from the lies of the wicked one to come to that place where I say, Lord, it's you that I need. Nothing more and nothing less. But it's you, a sovereign work of God in my life is what I need today. And if tomorrow comes, I need it tomorrow. And if Tuesday comes, I need it on Tuesday too. But it's the power of God in my life. God's looking for people that will dare to believe. Dare to believe. Do you dare to believe today? Or is there a drought in your soul? I want to ask you this morning to let the Holy Spirit do what he desires to do in you. I don't have the fix for you. No person on earth has the fix for you. God is the rewarder 
of those that diligently seek him. The word diligently here, Jesus taught on this when he said, ask, seek, and knock. When he went through those scenarios, some of us have asked, but that's it. Some of us asked, and we did a little bit of seeking, but that was it. But Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. That means be persistent and don't stop until God moves. So many things that we could talk about about faith, but I want you to know this in closing. All it takes to move God is a mustard seed size of faith. If you'll just believe that he is and that he'll reward you, he'll do something for you when you come to him and submit to him, God will move in your life this very day. Amen? Father, we ask this morning that there be not a drought in our soul. We ask this morning, Lord, that there not be a drought in the church. Lord, we ask this morning that there not be a drought in us. Let there not be a famine. Let us not put on our best outer garments when our inner man is famished. Lord, you said that if we would believe upon you, that out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. Lord, I'm asking for those fountains to be dug up this day. Lord, I'm asking that you would touch those that come. You said that you would reward those that diligently seek you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would reward those that diligently come to you today. With open arms, Lord, we thank you that you receive us. With a welcome in your eyes, Lord, we thank you that you receive us. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and let go of self and be made new in your arms. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you're here today and you've been famined, or maybe you don't want to be famined one day, I invite you to come to the Lord believing. And God will reward you. God will reward you. Come to these altars and meet with the Lord in Jesus' name.